Thanks for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, check us out at cbctaylorville.com. Join us now as our guest speaker delivers this week's message. I hope you've come ready to hear from the Lord and respond because I I just really believe he's going to speak to us today as we move through this service. Um, We have some special guests. Let me, by way of introduction today, a couple of years ago, um, Calvary began to partner with an organization called Converge uh, Worldwide, Converge Mid-America. Uh, some of you probably remember uh, a gentleman by the name of Brian Moak, who has been here a couple of times and has worked with us, our health assessment, and, and uh, helped us with a prayer uh, emphasis in February. So we, we've been working with some with Converge over the last couple of years. And then officially, last, last fall, um, Calvary became an official part of Converge Worldwide. And uh, it's a ministry that you're going to hear more about today. And I know you've been, we've all been learning about it over the last uh, year and a half to two years. Um, so we've had Brian come and speak to us, but today we have the privilege of having with us Gary Romeyer and his wife, Mary. Would you give them a hand, first of all? <laughs> Glad to have you guys this morning. Uh, Gary Romeyer is the president of uh, Converge Mid-America at this time. And uh, so this morning we're going to hear more about Converge and also from, from the Lord as he, he shares with us what that looks like from his perspective. Uh, Gary's had several different levels of ministries within Converge. Uh, He's been an intern with church planting. He's been a church planter himself. He's worked with church planters on different levels. And and that's one of the things that I truly have a heart for Converge about is they have a heart to see churches planted and churches strengthened and churches growing. And uh, he and his team do a great job of working with that. So he's worked in several different levels of leadership. Uh, Now he works not only with uh, Mid-America, but also other denominational leaders. Many of the church planters that are going out from all different organizations come through Converge to learn how to do it in a better way. So Converge just has a very strong emphasis on how to church, uh, plant churches. Gary's written nine different books. Some of them you have we've actually used here at our church, including his latest Courageous Prayers. Some of you, we, we had some of those available during our prayer emphasis in February. And so Gary is used in that way in, in many, many fashions. Let me just share a little bit. Gary and his wife Mary have been married 37 years. Fantastic. They have uh, three grown children and one grandbaby, and, and he's not very old, if I remember right. Three weeks, so they are new grandparents, and uh, so th- that's, a, that's a pleasure, and I know that they, they enjoy you just talking about that. They're from Chicagoland, and I happen to see they've got this medallion hanging from their mirror. It's got a big C on it. I, I don't know some team up there up north. Uh, some of you are happy about that. Some of you aren't so happy about that. You've just turned him off. I get that. But beside that, beside that we, we've, uh, we'll let them come anyway, all right, and, and we're glad that they're here. Um, for those of you, that's the Cubs, for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, okay, just thought I'd throw that out. It could be Cardinals, yes, but it's the wrong color, yes, absolutely. And this church knows color in that, in that fashion, promise you that. Anyway, so we're going to have Gary, he's going to come and speak for us today and share the word with us. But before he does, if you'll watch the video screen, we have a short video, and then Gary Romar will come and speak for us. It was Jesus' prayer that we would come together and be one. But there was more. In his prayer, he said, I pray they will be one, so the world will know. Jesus gives us a purpose to gather around, that the world would come to know and love him. 
We're reminded of this every time we look at the cross. The cross reminds us that sin has a remedy, that Jesus is who he says he is. We have forgiveness for our past, power for our present, and hope for our future. He gave his life for us so we could give our lives for him. We're on a mission to make disciples. Every man, woman, and child, young and old, rich and poor, is unbelievably valuable to God and worth every effort to reach them with the message of Jesus. And so we converge around the cross. We converge to tell what Christ has done for us and to make it known in our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our communities, around the world. We know what he has done, and we know what he has asked us to do. We start churches because the message of Jesus through the church brings hope to the world. We're committed to starting missionally-minded churches in every people group and community. We start churches that start churches to see lives change with Christ's love and truth. We strengthen churches. Strong churches are led by strong leaders. So we equip leaders to expand their ministry impact and fulfill the unique calling God has given them. We send people. Many of us anticipate the second coming of Jesus, but many in the world still haven't heard of his first coming. While we want all people to know Jesus, we focus on the least reached peoples of the world. We equip national leaders to create movements that impact individuals, communities, and regions through the power of the gospel. This is what we do. This is who we are. We start and strengthen churches together worldwide so the world will know Jesus. We are Converge. excited to be here and had a great night last night with some of the leaders and the staff and uh, and just really have come to really appreciate your pastor and his wife and uh, just very very encouraged about our, our new partnership as we as we kind of work together work together to see more churches started more churches strengthened so we can start more churches right and so uh, so we're very very excited about what what God is doing just to give you a couple highlights uh, before I get into our message today, but uh, while I'm doing that, why don't you open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, and uh, we'll, we'll get started there. But while you're doing that, I'll give you a few just cool announcements. Uh, one of the things that we are, we, are what, we are kind of the regional missions arm of the local, local churches, and, uh, and so it's been really exciting to see that. But you know, here, here's the thing, you know, the world is coming to us. And so we got to figure out how to reach the world. And so I'm proud to say that right now, actually, uh, last month, we just uh, we welcomed in our, our 10th language group just here in our region. So 10 language groups we're reaching with the gospel just here in our region. And, you know, there's over hundreds 
of languages that are spoken. Uh, first generation people are coming who don't know English, and uh, we need to reach them with the gospel. And so we got to pray for God for God to do that. <coughs> and so um, I'll tell you a quick story. It kind of reveals a little bit of what what I do. So I met a man uh, who was a doctor from Ethiopia, and he came here, immigrated here. And was uh, going to get his medical license here in the States, to practice here in the States. And uh, while he was doing that, God interrupted his life. He thought he had a plan, but God had a different plan. And God called him into the ministry. And, uh, and so he basically, instead of getting prepared to, to, to get his medical license here, he went to seminary for three years. And got his, got his MDiv and just graduated and really has a burden for uh, the Ethiopian refugees who are moving here. And uh, in, in Indianapolis, there's over 6,000 Ethiopian refugees. And he's taking the gospel to that people group, to that language group. And so the world's coming to us. We need to be responsible to reach them with the love of Christ. And as we pray, God, to raise up leaders for each of these language groups, that we can... That, that we can uh, share the gospel with them. And so your church is now a part of that, a part of a part of that. And one of the things I love about Converge is I love the name because it really talks about uh, coming together. You know, like, like you, have, you have little creeks and little streams coming together, and when they converge together, they make a mighty river, right? And uh, because here's the thing, we can do more together than we do apart. And so we're very, very excited um, about our partnership together as we take the gospel forward. You'll have to pardon me, but (coughs) (coughs) I got a nasty head cold this week. This is going to (coughs) happen. All right. (coughs) Greatest fear. All right. So that's the little report. <laughs> now we're going to pray. <laughs> All right. <coughs> Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you. <coughs> and we thank you for your word. We thank you for this church. Thank you for your people here who love you, who love to see your word go forth. And so, Father, today, encourage our hearts today. (coughs) For those who need a word of encouragement, I pray they receive it from you. For those who might just need a word of correction, maybe attitude change or behavioral change, I pray they receive it from you. And Lord, for those who might need a word of challenge, a word of challenge to take them to a new level of faith and a deeper relationship with you, I pray they receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21 is a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed. And one of the things, you know, we're in different churches every week. 
And so I've gotten, a, I've gotten to have a greater, deeper appreciation and affection for Paul's prayers for the local church. Because as I go around from church to church and, uh, and see the amazing grace of God working through people in unique ways and unique environments, um, I have a, just a deeper appreciation for his prayers. And so one man said this, if you really want to know where, uh, where, where a person's heart is, Listen to their prayers. Listen to their prayers. Because in their prayers, you're going to hear, see their view of God. You're going to hear their passion for Christ and their passion for the world and their understanding of God's mission and vision. And one of the great things now is, is through Paul's writings, we get to kind of get in. In, in almost, almost every epistle, there is some type of benediction or prayer that Paul uh, brings to that to the church that he's writing to, and here today we get to see his heart. We get to see inside of him and uh, his passion. And they're just they're just they're full. They're full of vision and theology and life and truth. And so we're going to get an opportunity to, to look deeply in that prayer. And then I would say this: if you really want to know the condition of a church, listen to their prayers. Listen to the prayers that are prayed at your prayer meetings. I was at a church that was actually struggling. It was a hundred and some years old. It was uh, um, just going through, a, going through a difficult time. And, uh, and so they asked me to come in and help them kind of evaluate their worship services to kind of just strengthen it, kind of give them some insight and how they can uh, make it more inspiring and, and kind of impact people personally and practically in their lives. And, and so I'm sitting there and and they, they start off with great worship team and uh, just great music. They had a little choir behind them. And, I mean, it was rocking, okay? And then, then one of the deacons got up and led the prayer time. And, uh, and he proceeded to, uh, to do this. He actually went around and he says, now we're going we're gonna to take some prayer requests. And he began pointing at people. And he, he basically, he was, gonna, he was determined. He was bound to determine to get a prayer request from every person in the audience. And he's going, so what's your prayer, Pastor Steve? You know, what, you know just, and, uh, and so he's, he's at, literally, for the next 20 minutes, he's going around the whole auditorium, about 100 people, and, uh, and he's, he's doing that. Well, it just sucked the life out, the energy out of the, out of the, not only did it embarrass people, but, uh, but you know, people responded. But, you know, as I was sitting there listening to the prayer requests, all I kept hearing was prayers about creature comforts, pre- prayers about ailments, you know, uh, my knee surgery or, you know, whatever. I mean, and, and believe me, you know, I pray for, I have ailments. Right now, I'm asking you to pray for me that I get, get through this sermon. So, <laughs> but, uh, <coughs> um, you know, but here's the thing, when, when you never see that in the Apostle Paul's prayers. You see, that church, there was no one praying for that grandson who was far from Jesus. No one was praying for that neighbor who was far from Christ. No one was praying for, uh, for that, that son-in-law that's far from Christ. Or, you know, and, and there was no missional component to their prayers. And they lost their heart. They lost their heart. And so Paul is praying for this church. And he's praying that they be strengthened in their spirit. 
It's very interesting. It's really one prayer with five results. When you look at this text, it's one prayer with five, five results. The one prayer is in verse 16. <coughs> and he says, I pray out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now, when he talks about the inner being, he's talking about the real you, the you that God sees, right? The spiritual you, the eternal you that God sees. And he wants, he wants to strengthen you with the power of the Holy Spirit. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power he wants to come and strengthen and encourage your spirit. So why does Paul pray this for them? Well, it's very interesting. If you go up a few verses, up in verses uh, 12 to 13, you can actually see it a little bit. He says, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I love that. Wow, we can come with freedom and confidence that the God of the universe hears our prayers through Jesus Christ. And then he says, I ask you, therefore, do not be discouraged because my sufferings for you, which are your glory. So somehow, this, this church, this church that loved the Apostle Paul, loved his team, understood that, again, remember, when Paul's writing this letter, he's in prison. He's chained to a Roman guard. And so they were discouraged. And what Paul is saying, Paul is praying that the strength that the power of God's Spirit would strengthen their inner being, would lift up their souls and breathe life into them in a powerful, in a powerful way. So when we talk about the inner being, I, I always talk about this, you know, are you, are you weak or are you strong? Are you weak or are you strong? You know, in our, if, when our inner being is strengthened, when it's strong, we tend to be more hopeful or filled with hope. But when it's weak, we tend to be in despair. I kind of equate it to, you know, when you're, when you're physically not well, you're really not at your best, aren't you? Right? When you're physically not well, you know, you get, tend, tend to get really crabby. And, uh, you know, a couple of days ago when I was at my worst, I was a little crabby. Right? Didn't want anybody to just stay away from me. I'm just going to go to bed. Give me some drugs. I'm going to bed. <laughs> you know, and uh, you're not at your best. It's the same thing with your spirit, your inner being. When, we're not, when our inner being is not strong, you know, uh, uh, we tend to be filled more with despair and fear, and we get distracted, and we tend to get morally fuzzy, right? We tend to want to give up. Uh, we, we, we become more self-reliant. You know, we, we, we become mission-minded instead of missional. Uh, we tend to be stingy instead of generous. And we tend to be God-centered or self-centered instead of God-centered. And Paul's praying, he's praying that you're strengthened in your inner being. So that you can be the best that he wants you to be. And you be fully engaged in what he's calling you to be. So what are the five results? So the one prayer is, I'm praying that he may strengthen you uh, with power through the Spirit in your inner being. So what are the five results? Well, number one the, is found in verse 17. The little phrase, that. And it's interesting, there's several that's in this. In this. It's actually one long sentence that, that uh, 
Paul's praying here. (coughs) And he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. What's the result? Is when your inner being is strengthened, God's presence is real. It's real in your life. You're feeling, sensing, living in the very presence of God, experiencing his daily power to strengthen us. And you know what that reminds us? just reminds us we're never alone. You're never alone. You know, one day I was racing in my car and driving around, and lots of things were happening in my life. There was, there was uh, you know, uh, you know, you got little battlefronts going on, right, in life, right? You got, you got a battlefront in the ministry front and a relational front or a family front or a financial front or whatever it is. You got all these battles raging. In this day, all the battles were kind of raging, you know, and I'm driving in the car and probably speeding because I'm angry and dealing with all these battlefronts, right? And, and, uh, and then all of a sudden, the Lord just met me in the car. And it's just like the, the Holy Spirit just came and filled my car, and, and the Lord just said to me, Gary, I'm intimately aware of everything that's raging in your life right now. You're not alone. And I'm telling you, it was like, I mean, <laughs> I was just filled up with God's presence. And you know what it did? It gave me a better attitude. It, uh, it gave me deeper resolve. I was filled with more hope, right? And I was filled with faith to deal with the challenges that were coming my way. Well, the second result is found in the next verse. He says, And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. I love that song today. Reckless love of God. The reckless love of God. See, see what Paul's saying here is, you know what? When you are filled with God's spirit and you're strengthened in your being, you're going to understand that God's love is infinite. God's love is reckless. God's love is chasing you. God's love is infinite. And that's what what he's talking about here. Being rooted and established in love. To know the the width and the length and the height and depth of God's love for us. See? And that just reminds us that we're loved more than we realize. We're loved more than then we know. See, that's just a promise. And again, when, you're, when that prayer is answered, the result is that you're going to experience God's love in a more profound way in your life. You know? You're going to find forgiveness in deep ways. You're going to experience mercy in deeper ways. And, and you're going to experience the fact that, that you're God's Son, you're God's daughter, you're God's child, and he wants to carry you through this life and use you in ways that you can't even imagine or understand. Then the number three, 
is, uh, he goes on in verse 19, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And what that means is that God's fullness is being revealed. God's fullness is being revealed. And that just reminds us that we're always becoming. Here's something I want to tell you. There is no arrival point in the Christian life, this side of death. You might have known the Lord for a long time, but you know what? Here's the thing. We're still growing. I've known Christ now for 40 years, and, uh, and I, st- I still need to grow in the Lord. I still need to be strengthened through the power of His Spirit. Because here's the thing. We cannot do life and ministry by ourselves. We have to do it through the power of God in us. And God is always shaping us. God's always molding us. God's always uh, reminding us that we're always becoming. We're always becoming what God wants us to be. You know, I was, uh, as, a, as a church planter, and uh, um, my wife and I, we were, <clears throat> you know, uh, I was 27, she was 25 when we started our first church. And, uh, and so back then I grew a beard to look older, okay? And then when I turned 40, I shaved it off, looked younger. And then I turned 58, and I said, I don't care anymore. <laughs> and, uh, and so we started this church by rubbing two nickels together, basically. And, and just, you know, I would get up, and I would pray, and I had, this, I had this map of our town, a town very similar size to your town here. And I had this map, and I'm, so, I'm really so excited for you in this prayer walking. Uh, I've done <coughs> hundreds of thousands of miles of prayer walking. And uh, walking through every street, you know, praying for every house, praying for every business, praying for all the municipalities, you know, praying for all that stuff, just, you know, saturating. I'm telling you, it, it will yield fruit for years to come. There was this one subdivision. I must have prayer walked, you know, 10 times uh, through that subdivision. And when, when, uh, Years later, we looked at that subdivision and found how many people are coming to our church from that subdivision. It was overwhelming. It was overwhelming. I shouldn't have been surprised by that. But it was overwhelming. And so I'm really encouraged uh, for you in that. But, but uh, So I would pray and pray. And, uh, and you know what the church planner's prayer is or the pastor's prayer is? It's, it's, it's this, uh, you, know, Jesus, you know, Jesus promised he's going to build his church, right? And the gates of hell will not Come against it, right? Not going to stop it. And, uh, and so basically, I would pray this prayer. I'd claim that promise of, Jesus, build your church. I'm here. Build your church. And so I'd always be praying that and wrestling with the Lord. Jesus, you're not building your church fast enough. Right? And just r- crying out to God in that way. And then one day, I just sat down. And, uh, and after just having a long time, of just praying over that, laying on this map of our town and praying for God to reach the city. With the gospel, uh, one day I just kind of sat up and leaned against the, the office in my wall, and uh, 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 the wall in my office, and leaned against it. And the Lord just, you know, sometimes you got to just not cry out to the Lord. You need to sit back and, like, listen sometimes. And so I just sat back and listened, and the Lord kind of spoke to me in my spirit and said, Gary, I am building the church. I'm building you. You're part of my church. I'm shaping you through this process. See? And so we're always becoming what God wants us to be. And God's fullness is being worked out in our hearts and in our souls and our minds. 
And then number four, God's dreams are being fulfilled. Look what he says in part of this benediction. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. <coughs> what that reminds us of is that God's mission is not finished. God's mission is not finished. There are still more people to see come to know Christ. There are still more relationships to be built to see people come to know the wonderful love of Christ, the forgiveness of our Savior. And, uh, and so, um, you know, when we planted this church, um, <clears throat> well, one of my pastors asked, five, he, he developed five questions out of this text. And here's the five questions. He said, do you believe that God is able to do all you ask? And everybody would say, yes, I do, right? Do you believe that God is able to do all you ask or imagine? Do you believe that God is able to do immeasurably more? Right? Like the King James says, this guy used two verbs, exceedingly abundantly. Uh, than more than I can ask. Do you believe that God can go do immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine? And then his last question was, do you believe that God is able to do immeasurably more than you can all ask or imagine according, what? To his power that's already at work in you. The Spirit of God is working in you. See? God's dreams uh, are being fulfilled. My wife and I moved to this small town and we started this church. And, uh, you know, and I, and, and I was like, well, if we can get to church to 150 people, that'd be great. And, and, uh, and then one day I was, uh, we, were, we were living in Chicago at the time, and uh, God kind of spoke to me and he said, Gary, I, you know, uh, it was kind of one of these weird things about starting 10 churches in 10 years. And, uh, and it was so kind of overwhelming that the only person I shared it to was with my wife. And my, you know, I shared it with her, and her response wasn't very encouraging. Because, <laughs> you know, we had, we had moved to Chicago, and actually had moved like 11 times in an in a eight-year period, eight, eight period of going to school, and just different housing op- opportunities and, and stuff like that. And, uh, and so when I shared that with her, I said, I think God wants to start 10 churches in 10 years. She says, well, I don't know how we're going to do that. I go, what do you mean? God's telling me this. <laughs> she, goes, <coughs> she goes, well, I'm not going to live in an RV for 10 years. <laughs> and I said, well, I don't know. I, I just think God wants to do that. Well, we barely got the first one up and started. Three years of sowing seeds and sowing seeds and sowing seeds. And all of a sudden, the third year, God blessed us. And uh, we saw more people come to Christ that third year than any other time. And, uh, and really established a strong, vibrant church. But you know, the cool thing was is that uh, when we ended our time after 10 years, we had uh, 10, we had, uh, um, <clears throat> we had over 400 people attending our church. We bought property right on the freeway and built a wonderful building and had a staff and a team. And, uh, but the coolest thing was is that we were involved in helping start 17 other churches during that season of ministry. And here's what I learned in that first season. 
God's dreams are always bigger than mine. Because God loves lost people more than we do. God's dreams are always bigger than ours because God loves lost people more than I do, more than we do. I don't know if we have a picture of that. Uh, the, there we go. So that, that's, that's a picture of our family. This is back in the high-tech days of fundraising. And, uh, and so uh, that's a fond picture. We have our daughter is there in there now. And then, and then let me show you the picture of the, it's our first Sunday in our new building. And, uh, you know, God was, God did amazing things. Seventy percent of the people from, who became members in our church came, uh, uh, came to faith in Christ in our church. And uh, it was really, really cool. And then ten years later, God called us to Chicago to help start this church planting ministry. And when we got here, uh, we had 86 churches in uh, in uh, mainly in northern Illinois. Uh, we had two churches in St. Louis and two churches in Indianapolis, but the rest were in the northern Illinois. And uh, by God's grace, over the last uh, 20 years, I don't know if we got a slide that shows that. Um, you can go ahead and just click it all up there. You can see that we've, uh, <coughs> we've increased um, almost 100% in that one decade. And... Uh, and so today we have over 200 um, and uh, 40 churches that are part of Converge uh, Mid-America. And, uh, and here's the thing. Why is that? Because God's dreams are always bigger than ours. Because God loves lost people more than we do. More than we do. You know, I used to tell our church... Every year, I said, I just believe. You know, we were in a town about 10,000 people. And I said, I just believe that 2% of the population is going to come to faith in Christ. Because I believe that God saves people, okay? I believe that God saves people. And, and I don't know how they're going to come to Christ, but I just believe, you know, I could be low, I could be high in my percentage, but I just believe that, you know, 2% of the population is going to come to faith in Christ this year. And then I would ask, and I would challenge our church. I said, you know, here's the question we have to answer. Why would God trust our church with 100 new converts this year? Are we positioning ourselves to be in the midst of God's great redemptive flow that's happening in this world? It's happening right before our eyes, right? God's at work. And Jesus said, we need to open our eyes to how ripe the harvest is and to, and to see uh, the people who are coming to faith in Christ uh, right before us. God's drawing them, and we need to be a part of his plan in doing that. And so every year we would put, try to position our church in a way that, that we would be, be fully engaged in the harvest. And so... I'm so excited and encouraged for you as you're going, because prayer is one of the first ways you start that. And so, so I'm so excited for your July you know, prayer walking stuff, because God is going to do some great things through you, and it's going to lay a foundation uh, for, for year, years and years to come. Well, the final result is this. God's glory will be displayed. God's glory 
is being displayed in and through us. Look what he says. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know what that reminds us of? It reminds us it's all about God. It's all about God. It's all about what the Lord is doing in and through us to see the world reached with his love. So today, maybe you could take this list in your spirit. Are you strong or are you weak? Right? Is your spirit weak or is it strong? Are you tending to fill, be filled with more hope these these days, or more faith? Do you have more focus in your life? Do you have, do you have moral clarity? Do you, feel, do you feel you're unstoppable? You know? See? And, and on, on and on and on. And, uh, and so maybe take this list and just, you know, pray it through and say, pray the prayer for yourself. Pray the prayer for your spouse. Pray the prayer for your children. Pray the prayer for your, the church leadership. Pray that that they would be strengthened through God's power, through the power of His Spirit in their inner being, in their inner being. Oswald Chambers said this, and I'll finish. He said, I've learned that the aim of my life is God's, not mine. Are you learning that? That's something we learn every day, isn't it? Every day, daily surrendering to the Lord. I've learned that the aim of my life is God's, not mine. God is using me from his great personal standpoint. And all he asks of me is that I trust him. That I trust him. Maybe there's been a, you've come here today and you really sense that God is calling you to take a step of faith. I don't know what that is. He's just asking you, trust me. Take that step of faith. Trust me in that. Maybe it's sharing, building a relationship with a neighbor, a new neighbor. Maybe it's, um, you know, maybe a job thing, a family thing, whatever it is. The Lord's just calling you. Maybe to have a deeper relationship with him. Maybe to get into a mentoring relationship or maybe to mentor somebody else spiritually see what step of faith is God calling you to I pray that your spirit will be strengthened today that you could take that step of faith for the glory of God